30A historically has not had any hotels. We have no commercial chains. There's no McDonald's. There's no fast food restaurants or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And so being uh, allergic to a lot of those industries has allowed us to create that niche and, and really be a good tourism destination. Now that's changed with St. Joe and we do have five hotels that have built in the area here recently. And so that saturation will play out a little bit, but I think over time, what it will create are different pockets of price points that people can come and be able to enjoy what is 38, but at different levels. So do you think the cap rates will probably be at some point in the 12 to 15% rate? Maybe that's, that's where I hovered because as we start to change the landscape of 30a and the surrounding areas and we start to migrate and move people that are permanent residents around a little bit and create opportunities for them in some of these gated communities or maybe waterfront and things like that the trajectory for the short-term aspect that's the only way i can really see for it to go i like to ask every realtor this um is there ever not a good time to buy nah not, not that i can really i mean personal outside of personal reasons um no I mean, I mean from what i've seen historically over time I, I really can't say that it is it's the one asset that we've seen continuously year over year mm -hmm. appreciate mm -hmm. is there are, are there bad times to sell seasonally yes and no um so we always have that winter cycle that comes up where we'll have the increase of inventory and i always think the increase of inventory will adjust buyers a little bit and so you may have more hesitation to make an offer um, less eagerness but at mm -hmm. the same time that's from a buyer standpoint that's going to be a personal investment if it is actually like an investment firm or a hedge fund or something they're looking in those winter seasons because if they want to renovate it and get it ready to market for the for the upcoming spring season this is when you move in. Hey everyone, so. we have Wit here, a Florida realtor off the Gulf Coast. It's a very well-known area called 30A Highway, uh, a bunch of beach property, the epitome of luxury. And he's also a rental expert as well. So realtor and rental expert that can help us with tips on building wealth. Three balls, two strikes, pressure is on. This is where we discuss real estate, property improvement, and business. Together, we'll strategize on how to win. Welcome to the Full Count. Last year, my wife and I were at a wedding in Rosemary Beach, and we were at this hotel, and across the street, I saw an open house. And me being a real estate agent, I had to go you know, take a look. And it was conveniently located where my hotel is. You got Rosemary Beach on one side, the European-like town, as far as the architecture. To the right, there was another town, which has this like Greek-like vibes, all white buildings and things like that. I crossed the street, and lo and behold, I meet a really cool guy named Wit. And we have them on today. So, Wit, if you can go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew, for having me on. Um, yeah. No, I was a vacation rental expert here in the area for short-term vacation rental management. And uh, you actually caught me at one of my site locations that I managed for a little over a decade at High Point oh, wow. Beach Resort. And so it was, uh, yeah, it was a good opportunity. That actually wasn't my listing. I was helping out another one of our agents. And uh, yeah, it actually turned out to be a great day because you and me have stayed connected over that time and, and kind of really right. got to know each other. Yeah, I found it such an incredible piece of property. It's I, it, You said High Point, right? High Point yes. Condos? High yeah. Point Beach Resort. High Point Beach Resort. Okay. Chris, this place was beautiful, man. Like white sand beaches um, and then the obviously the blue ocean. It's incredible. How much would you say um, those usually go for? I don't, I don't remember how much that property was. I think like 1.5 maybe? 
Yeah, that one was listed at 1.5. Uh, there's a range in between there between the two bedrooms and the three bedrooms, especially the Gulf front units versus the pool side unit. Uh, low side, you have about 1.3 to 1.5 on the pool side, and, and they'll go up towards the three bedrooms. And then the Gulf fronts are an average between about two to two and a half million, and then upwards of three to 3.5 for the three bedroom Gulf fronts. Wow. Wow. What would you say, like the typical like demographic you're selling? Is there one at all, or is it you know we all think, especially out in the West Coast, we think of Florida as the retirement place. Is that normally who you're selling to out there? Uh, it's a little bit of a mix. I wouldn't say we're a retirement destination by far. Um, our average medium age of population is about 46 in the area, and so the majority of people were looking at second homes or rental investment properties. That's interesting. I, I always thought it was when I was there, I thought it was more on the retiree side, but it's such a young uh, city from what, what I understand, or at least the development. So if you can kind of go into like the explanation of the 30A highway, why it's so great, and then please continue to touch on your background in rentals before you jumped into uh, real estate. If you want to go over, you know, that transition and, you know, everything about you. Surely. Yeah, 30A is a little bit special. So uh, what's most unique are our coastal dune lakes. So coastal dune lakes are rare amongst the world. You only find them in Madagascar, Oregon, four, four places uniquely across the entire globe. Um, and so they're special in themselves. But then the 30A stretch, we have a very unique base of quartz sand in the area. And so we find a lot of people are kind of gravitated towards the area as it, as it draws in because of different healing powers or, or just the way that you kind of get in tune with the area. But mm -hmm. also we're very unique because it's a higher elevation than you'll find in the Northwest Panhandle. And so all the way across this area, we've got a lot of access to waters via streams, lakes and rivers. But those coastal dune lakes are a really rare gem that we've worked hard to protect here over the years. And so 30A is, is that place where you had a lot of people between two different large development communities of Destin and Panama City Beach. And this was mm -hmm. just caught right in between. So you had people who came out this area and donated a lot of their land towards the state parks and forests and just really saw a really big conservation effort out this way. Um, and so me, myself, I'd always got to travel down here and visit family along the coast. And so to actually get down here and live down here and be a part of it was was a blessing and then get to sell real estate on top of it where, yeah. you know, you get a chance to talk to people and and kind of infect them of the reason why you're really here and, and why you chose this place. But it is a it is special from the from cultural arts to the diversity of architectural mix and the and the new urbanism that you have over in Seaside mm -hmm. and Rosemary Beach. Um, it's just it, it's a palette that's really really diverse. I want you to touch on the the new urbanism, bef but before you do that, the um, the 30A Highway, the the development there on the waterfront, isn't it relatively a young town? From what I yeah, understand? so our our first major development would have been founded in '97. And they had the groundbreaking over with uh, with Rosemary Beach and Sea and Seaside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so overall, it's been been considered kind of the last developer's paradise. Uh, this is the last large area where you can find uh, larger pieces and parcels of land. I would definitely call it that because um, when I had my experience there last year, when I met you, um, it felt like Disneyland. And I know that sounds weird, but if you've been to Disneyland, everything is pristine. Everything looks new. Everything's maintained. Everything's walkable. And it's just phenomenal. And I would probably say that's probably one of my favorite places so far along the coast that I've been to. And what I found interesting, too, um, Chris, you, you would probably know, too, a lot of the coastal communities here in Orange County, San Diego and L.A., you can park and immediately you're almost at the sand. Where you're at, you got to take the stairs 
going down and something about that getting to the the sand is just um it just makes it more special i don't know what it is but it definitely draws my attention to it and it's just absolutely beautiful yeah it is a little bit more private and more exclusive um we we are private deeded beaches in this area um, and so you will find a lot more gated communities along along 30a and then access to the water can be a little bit farther and fewer between depending on where you're at especially where you visited um, we don't have as many public beach accesses right there um, you know what but you I will say point. You, yeah now go ahead i was gonna say it was unique that you that you mentioned disneyland um so this area there's a property called sandestin beach resort and it originally was the first place that disney or disney world was going to build their park and so oh, they wow. came over here and they were looking at the area um saw that as a great opportunity and then eventually ended up settling over in orlando they figured there's not enough alligators yeah <laughs> um you know, you know what i did oh. notice though when i was there you're right it was all private every every beach i went on i had to have like a pass to get in so there was moments where i was walking along 30a and trying to get beach access but i could only get the access to the beach from where wherever i was staying so that is a that is a good uh valid point right there i think that definitely drives up uh prices too because a private beach is obviously more upscale well, well it what, makes things a little bit more exclusive right well what right. you were saying andrew about you know being able to drive up to the beach you know one thing you know, just playing around with photography, I learned is if a car is in your shot, it's a bad shot. You got to yeah. you got to try to shoot without a car being in the shot at all. Right. And that's really impossible in San Diego for the most part. I mean, obviously, you can you can make it work. But that kind of talks about what you're saying. When you go to the beaches, it's just like you can see all the cars. You can see parking lots. It kind of ruins the vibe. Yes. And it's not like that where Wood's at, which is, mm -hmm. I think, what makes it more special. Maybe that's why I had an extra like. Um, uh, way of like loving the place because I hadn't seen anything like that in quite some time. I've been to Miami. Uh, I've been to other spots of Florida, but that place was just very, I don't know, very special to me. So in any case, I want to go ahead and um, hear a little bit about uh, your rental background before you jump into the real estate and what, like, why, why did you do that? And then what kind of um, skills were you able to transfer over? Because a lot of people like to buy real estate as an investment. Surely. Um, so I started out in property management, actually working from retail sales. I had a client who was a realtor. She'd come in and work with me uh, for a number of years and, and gave me a good opportunity. And so when I went in, I, I really got to, to get accelerated through a program with Resort Quest, which was a small based company here locally. And, and they allowed me to have the opportunity where I was working directly with the homeowners. They're ones at a hierarchy that I had to go through a different levels of management to be able to speak to an actual property owner. And when you're bringing problems from a guest or from the, the company's point of view, and you're bringing it to a homeowner or an actual property owner that this is their asset, this is their home, this is their private space at times, the conversation is a lot different. It's a lot more personal. Um, and there's a lot of emotions that can be attached to it. And so property management over the years taught me a lot of different things, but I'd say most importantly, it taught me two things that relate to real estate. And first is a sense of urgency. Things happen in the now. If you have a sense of urgency in both of those industries, you can be very successful because it's life, it's interactions, it's the emotions that are attached to them, but it happens now. Uh, and second, it taught me to always answer my phone, no matter what time yeah, of the day, that's... what I was doing, right. pick up the phone because you never know what's on the other end of it. Uh, but yeah, question I, on I that, had... question on that though, not to cut you off. I want you to keep going, but okay. You always pick up your phone. I'm the same way. 
What about when you're out, you know, drinking, you've had a couple drinks in you, it's still not too late. Would you pick up the phone or what would you do? Uh, usually in most of those situations, I'll go nonverbal just so that we can kind of control it and not, um, not show myself or show all my cards up front. Right. If it's something that's really important, I'm usually going to have a team member or teammate that I can rely on that I can turn it over to and go, Hey, I, I need really sound judgment right now. I need you to clock oh, in. Wow. This is where I need you to help out. And so we would, uh, we learn to rely on each other. That's good advice. Cause, um, I'm, I'm a solo agent, right? I don't have a team, unfortunately, right now. Uh, I haven't been on one in quite some time. So. There's been times where I, I'm out drinking and I definitely feel it and I get a phone call and I answer the phone. And unfortunately, you know, I, I'm not sure if they can tell whether I've had a few in me, but usually I try and make it as quick as possible. Answer quick little questions. I make sure that they hear, you know, background music so they know like I'm at dinner. That way I can kind of, you know, hang up and then go to text mode and then order a coffee right away. But uh, well, and I think yeah. disclosing that to people also makes it makes you a real person. You didn't right. call a corporation. You didn't call a 24-hour hotline. And even though my business may say that, you know, I'm open hour that you could reach out to me, I'm a person. I'm a real person that's out doing things and maybe enjoying time with friends, family, or an event or, you know, a celebration mm -hmm. or something. So I think everybody can relate to that at, at a certain sense. But it, it kind of goes back to, to a cornerstone. You just got to be honest and transparent about it. Let them know what you are like doing. That. Hey, it was important to take your call now. And we need to table it. Let's table it. And if it needs to happen right now, then let, let's make it happen. Uh, I, I almost think Andrew has a story about this because it sounds like something that happened to him. Did it happen to you? In terms of you're, like, like you're out, you know, celebrating and you got, oh, yeah, it happens all the time. It Is happens all the time. Where it, something bad fell through because of it. You know, do you, no, you crossing my fingers, knocking on wood. Everything's been good so far. Um, you know, I whenever, will, uh huh. Good. I was going to say, I will say, though, when I really feel it and I see a client calling me, I just don't answer and I go straight to text because I always want to be like Wit was saying, it's very important to answer your phone, like literally mm -hmm. answer the phone. But when it comes to those points and the alcohol is flowing, then no, I go straight to text. It's almost like y'all are always job searching. So when people are searching for jobs that are not realtors, they always answer the phone to anything, right? right. You guys are constantly job searching. I mean, that's what always. You do. Always right. right. Wait, I, I would I would imagine you feel the same way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's been times where I mean, simple phone calls turned into um, multi-layer transactions where somebody really needed some help. They needed some guidance. They needed some advice. And, and I mean, that's what we're here for those times. Right. You know, and people all the time talk about realtors and where we catch our value. And I think part of our value is that we are disturbed during our personal lives and, and we do still clock in. You know, I, I've always lived by maybe my job, but it's your life. And so I want to make sure that while I'm doing my job, I'm impacting and leaving those little moments or blips in your life as best as I possibly can. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, I can definitely understand the the hesitation on wanting to pick it up. Um, have, I think have most you people seen, just want service. Right, right. Have you seen the memes by chance? I'm sure you have with Maybe you have Chris, but there's memes where like a realtor goes on vacation and all their friends are partying and then the realtor's on their laptop working. That's really true. It's That's me, but I'm not a realtor. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I think they always say it's the busiest we ever get is when we go out of town or go on vacation. Dude, it happens all the time. But I mean, it's a blessing in a way. But going back to your, your background, um, what would you say you like about being a realtor and in terms of like the... The specifics in rental, like what what kind of tip would you give to someone that wants to buy a property for rentals? Because you were saying in Rosemary Beach or 38 Highway along the, the coast there, 
lot of people, you know, buy there for investment properties as well. So what kind of advice would you give in terms of um, someone looking to, you know, find a rental and what you like about being a realtor? Um, I think finding a rental, you've got to kind of, you got to answer the question on why. Why are we getting into purchasing a property? If there's some intrinsic value on that you're going to come and use it, then that's usually a place I can't ever touch. That's that's emotional for you. So that that's always going to be there. Um, mm -hmm. But from an investment standpoint, you got to look at the numbers. I mean, the cap rates are probably what's going to drive you the most because there's going to be fluctuations between occupancies, rental nights, events and things like that. Um, but I mean, for me, it's it's access and amenities are one of your biggest key points and making, you know, making sure what amenities do you have and what do you have access to that's either close by or in your vicinity. And then finding cleaners that do a really great job and paying them well and paying them on time. That is probably the, the biggest cornerstone, I think, that most people don't focus on when, you know, we, we go through and we set up the seating, the sleeping, the comfortable, the linens, every bit, every aspect of it. But focusing on that backside of how that product's going to get turned over every time and, and making sure that it's going to be really clean, presentable for guests, especially after COVID, I think I think it's become more of a focus nowadays mm. than anything. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. And then that's more in terms of like short rentals, right? Getting people in Yeah, and out. absolutely. Okay. Yeah, if they're doing more uh, long-term sets where we do have a lot of people that will do uh, the six-month split, so you can do six months in a day um, for a long-term rental here. Um, and it usually just depends because we're a really big hub for businessmen to be able to come in because of the flexibility we have and having two international airports that are within an hour's drive of us. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is really close over with, with uh, ECP. And so uh, it just gives you a little bit more um, flexibility, I would say, to, to kind of support yourself. And what would you say is your value proposition to um, clientele when they come see you? Because you, you're a realtor, but your background in, in rentals, like what, what do you kind of point out? Because you already touched on cap rates. So maybe you can explain what that is. And then also what else you kind of tell them to give, you know, let them know your actual value. Yeah. So the, the mixture of the two that I try to bring to the table is looking at what their overall expenses are going to be. A lot of people can factor out the mortgage and whatnot, but looking at the HOA dues and diving into the HOA if you do have a home association is really important. Um, but looking at what your what your end numbers are going to be, but also setting an expectation that's realistic. You know, a lot of times we see these projections that will come across, and and they're they're based off of some data, but there's just not a, a lot of actual analytics behind them that are concrete. The performer, so right? Through, say again. The performer. Yeah, the performance, yes. And so that way you can really set yourself up for an expectation because the 100 days of summer is going to be a time that we're going to see we're going to see an influx in travel. We're going to be busy. But then the shoulder seasons where we have events and weather and so many things that can come into play, you've got to be a little bit more susceptible to being flexible there uh, and making sure that you've got the right insurance to be able to support you in case you do have loss of income or things like that. But there's a there's a full package to what it looks like. And most people, what they have is the idea of what they need to do to set up a rental doesn't include all of those pieces. And so it's like any toolkit. You've gone through and you've looked at the actual job that you're going to apply it to. You'll have a couple of specialty tools in there. And so making sure that you've got good support from rental companies, cleaners, maintenance, all of the aspects is going to give you a more well-rounded product, I would say. So you you streamline all of it for them pretty much. Um, well, and the, the network that I have, even from management companies, I know that when when I look out for performance, I'm, I'm reaching out to about... 20, 25 different management companies because it's there's a lot of pieces that go into factor logistics, experience, saturation, all of it. And so 
I always say I earn my gray hairs. I try to stress test <laughs> them enough so that yeah. w- when we look at the data, we're looking at something that's a little bit more factual. It sounds like to me, from what you're saying, a lot of uh, the business in terms of rentals out there is not necessarily long-term rentals for the property. It's just more like short-term rentals. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it seems to be more of a seasonal type of factor out there. Would you say that's accurate? Absolutely. Well, and even talking with other locations in Florida that are more uh, month-to-month locations, like you'll see down in South Florida, we are very much a more transient week-to-week or even uh, shorter stay of three nights for the weekends. Um, oh, because wow. we are still a huge drive to market, even, even with the international airports. But if you're saying they're staying there about three days, did you say three days or, or three weeks? Uh, three weeks would be on the short okay. side. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Three weeks. Okay. That makes more sense. Um, what is the average price point in that area around the 38 highway? Like for a, well, one, well, that's one. And then two, is it more condos or is it more single family homes that happen to have an HOA? A little bit of a mix nowadays. Um, we have a lot of uh, planned subdivisions that are just single family detached homes that have a homeowners association. Um, all of the condos will have them here. But, uh, but on, on average, we're at a $2.3 million average sale for the area, about $800 per square foot. And that's mixing the old construction versus the, with the new as well um, and going from luxury to uh, across the board for 30A. What's, what's on the high side, you would say? Uh, high side, we've had some record setters. Um, Gulffront properties like in Alice Beach, Inlet Beach, Rosemary Beach, some of those luxury locations. Uh, cresting $10 million for a Gulffront property isn't, isn't wow. difficult at all. Um, Inlet Beach set a record uh, high sell over there was 15 mil. Uh, we did have a $25 million Gulf front home that was sold here recently as well. And so we started to, to creep up into a, a new arena for us. That's uh, a little bit abnormal for our location. That's good. I, I hope that continues for you. Um, now, would you say those like on the high side are like, are they, are we talking like 10,000 square feet homes? Are we talking like, what's the square footage usually for something on the, on the high side? So the higher side can be a couple of different things. You, you will have some aspects where you'll have that 6,500 square foot estate property that you'll have in the in the 10 million, 10 million and up. Uh, mm-hmm. But most of your Gulffront properties, even on a low side, you're, you're looking at $7 million for, for a 50 foot wide lot. And so the, the value can be there from larger estates, location. And then if you take one of the coastal dune lakes and let's say your planned community or your gated community has access to a coastal dune lake and has exclusive access to it, that's going to change things for you a little bit. And so mm-hmm. that's where I say going back to there's there's access and then, there, then there's amenities. The amenities are great. We can always add, build, construct new things for our guests to enjoy. But when you're talking about access to like a coastal dune lake, uh, no one's making another one of those for us. <laughs> so I have a question. You know, we're talking about the waterways. I love a good lazy river. Is there any good natural lazy rivers in the Panhandle? Um, yeah, we have a couple up in the creeks, uh, a little bit north of us towards the Ecathena water management area. Um, mm-hmm. So probably about uh, 30 minutes north of where I'm at on the beach. We've got a, a, an intricate waterway system from um, multiple different streams, creeks that, that feed out into the Gulf. And so a lot of those cold water creeks, yeah, you can absolutely drop in a paddleboard or a, or a float and just ride it all the way through. So, nice. So is there like a whole, like a cabin community? Like is there, you can get cabin rentals out there for the, the season? So is that's there... what we're actually starting to move in more so than anything. Um, a lot of times we'll always talk about the beach on the most south side and, you know, then we have the bay and then across the bay, we've got the, the 
course the south or the north side of the bay there but then we'll move towards the intercoastal where we're moving between uh, two different bay fronts between uh, Destin and Panama City Beach and then from the intercoastal we'll move up even more north getting towards lakes rivers and ponds and whatnot and so mm -hmm. we're starting to see a lot of that happen uh, especially a little bit more east of us towards mm -hmm. uh, Mexico Beach uh, St. George Island in that area where you have a lot more um, natural waterways that haven't been um moved or adulterated by us building roads and things like that and so mm -hmm. yes you are starting to see that more than anything um for us we've always seen the cabins and people have seen those as, as second homes for people who probably live in our communities but we're starting to really see the expansion of airbnbs moving out there which is usually the the bigger opportunities for us because just logistically for um groceries things like that the so area you're speaking like, of or sorry go ahead I was going to say, it sounds like there's possibly going to be a cabin kind of river community coming up soon. How could, like, how can someone, just a regular person, be one of the first to break gold there and get a place that grows in value very quickly in the next, you know, two decades or so? So, you know, kind of like when, when I first met Andrew and I was telling him about the access to the beaches and restaurants and just things that you're considering to be normal, I, I think... That's that's a normal conversation for me here being a true local, being here in the area and knowing not just the logistics of what we see today, but our five, 10 and 15 year plans for our communities and the larger developments surrounding us. And so I, I think the short answer would be is looking at some of those and planning out, you know, today it may be a 30 minute drive to get to that cabin. But with a couple of changes and a bridge here or there, that could turn to a five to 10 minute drive of easy access to the community. Sounds like we should invest there soon. <laughs> I can send you some great reports. I'll show you what our numbers look like. But I'm, I, would, I am. I'm very bullish on our area. I would love for you to do that and send it to Chris and I. That would be fantastic. Now, That's I did want to, for some clarity um, on my end, at least. So when I was staying at that um, spot I was at where I met you right across the street, um, I when we took the road to go back to the, the airport, the main airport, I don't remember the name of the airport, mm -hmm. but I do recall going through like an area and highway where there was nothing but like forest. It, it, that's what it felt like. So is that the place you're referring to for like the future for cabins? Because my taxi driver or my Uber driver happened to be a realtor too. He was like in his eighties, but he was a really cool guy. He gave me a lot of information. He was kind of talking my ear off, but he was saying that those areas where there was going to be a lot of new builds. So is that what you're talking about right now? Yeah, so we have a large land holding company in the area called St. Joe. They're a publicly traded company, which is uh, something that's changed here in the past couple of years, which does provide a lot more uh, transparency on their goals, plans and visions. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately where you were, you were on the most eastern portion of Walton County. Um, that's butting up right to the west end of Bay County. And what we have is what's going to be called the Walton Bay Sector Plan where St. Joe as that large landholder going from where you were up towards the airport, they're right. going to be developing that area on a, on a 90 year plan right now. And so 90 year. Wow. Yeah. And so we can, we can look at the, the short terms of it. They have their websites that will show you the overall plans and goals and, and what they're looking at. But when you start to look at the infrastructure that they're bringing, it's not just about homes and condos and tourism and, you know, building the next Dave and Busters in the right location. It, it's bringing us the infrastructure that we need. We need healthcare services. We need grocery mm -hmm. stores. We need gas stations. We need these. But then at the same time, we need large scale, affordable housing. We need apartments in certain locations. And so what's nice is you, 
where typically in an area like this, we would have a bunch of developers all fighting after the same goal. But when you have a large land developer like this, their picture looks a lot different. The way they carve and the way they plan out land is a, is a lot different for us. And so we're very lucky that they donate a lot of their land also to conservation. And so there's a, there's a very healthy relationship that's going on between them of making sure that what they're producing for the county and area is, is what we're asking for. And so that, that line of communication is really opened up between us and them. So are you bullish on that particular area then? Absolutely. Um, okay. We show that there'll be a new conglomerate of a, of a city that will form in between those areas that we talked wow. about. Um, and so that's the that's the long term vision for it. I met a guy on the plane. Um, he was in first class. I wasn't, but he was uh, Rosemary Beach. He was wearing I think he, there's a golf course there, right? Mm -hmm. OK, so he's oh, a, not in Rosemary, but close by. OK, close by. He, he's definitely on the on, let's just say. He's a client you want, but he yep. was saying, I, I told him in a jokingly way, cause I wasn't sure, but now we're doing this podcast. I told him about a podcast I wanted to do potentially on Rosemary beach. He's like, please don't. It's a best kept secret. Don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people will tell you that around here. We're, you know, before we had the, the 38 company, which is just a, a local company that started more so marketing events and things like that. It really snowballed and blew up. And it's a, it's a logo company now that yeah. really, uh, pushes the the vision and the goals that we have of our communities here locally out to on a national scale. But a, a lot of people tell you, Shh, be quiet. Don't tell anybody. We give you all right. the stickers and we stick them on cars all over the place and you'll see them across the globe and whatnot. But we are, uh, we are one of the best kept secrets in the area. Absolutely. I agree, man. Cause I had no idea that existed and thank goodness I went for a wedding. It was a blast. But um, in terms of like going back to the coastal communities, let's say I want to go with, Chris and my co-host and then our wives or girlfriends um, and stay at a, I don't know, five bedrooms. Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> Why? I mean, I feel like you're working for her now. You want to bring up that we're not married yet. Okay. No, I'm talking about Nick, dude. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, Chris is in a committed relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend. But anyways, um, what would you say the average price point, <laughs> what would you say the average price point would be on a rental? that we would probably want to like save up for things like that. So uh, probably the best way I'll tell you is we broke a record this, this year for the largest grossing rental in our area was a $75,000 a week rental. Oh my gosh, Chris. Now, I'll let that sit in for a second. Chris is going to front the bill then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, what, what you're looking at, you probably would be in the range independent on the seasonality of it. You know, if you come in 4th of July is our peak season, we taper down a little bit on both sides uh, going towards May and going towards September. Um, but about, $1,500 to $2,500, depending on if it had a pool or if you were a beach runner across the street from the beach. Is that per day or, or per week? Oh, that'd be for the week. Per week. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because the, the community you were in, I'm thinking of the Seacrest Beach area right there where mm -hmm. you have, um, you've got a lot of large homes. I think your, your smallest home out there is going to be about three bedrooms. And then you've got a full mix from studios, the two bedrooms, the three bedroom condos. So yeah. uh, inventory is plentiful out there, but uh, yeah, a little bit more competitive um, from bad. an off the beach home. That's not too bad. That's pretty good. So right? I have a question, and I like to ask every realtor this: um, Is there ever not a good time to buy? Nah, not, not that I can really. I mean, personal outside of personal reasons, um, no. I mean, I mean, from what I've seen historically over time, I. I really can't say that it is it's the one asset that we've seen continuously year over year mm -hmm. appreciate mm -hmm. 
Is there are, are there bad risks? times to sell? Seasonally, yes and no. Um, so we always have that winter cycle that comes up where we'll have the increase of inventory. And I always think the increase of inventory will adjust buyers a little bit. And so you may have more hesitation to make an offer, um, less eagerness. But at mm -hmm. the same time, that's from a buyer standpoint, that's going to be a personal investment. If it is actually like an investment firm or a hedge fund or something, they're looking in those winter seasons because if they want to renovate it and get it ready to market for the for the upcoming spring season, this is mm -hmm. when you move in. And so, you know, at the same sense, it's also about finances and what you need to do in this calendar year and if you need to hold off till the next. But um, not necessarily. I mean, I'd probably say the only factor I would give you to say bad time to sell would be uh, the income that you had put up by having a well-appointed property that was managed appropriately and then selling before you got a chance to, to coop mm -hmm. those incomes. Mm -hmm. is, is it a risk to buy a property before a hurricane? <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't even really know how to say that word in full, but um, yes and no. Um, insurance is probably going to be the biggest thing because if there is a name storm out in the water, uh, you can't bind insurance. And so mm -hmm. you do want to be sensitive to that, making sure that you're timing that appropriately. Now, me being a Californian, I don't really know much about hurricanes. So, I mean, I know a little oh, bit. We just like, had one. We just had one a month ago. That was nothing, dude. Oh, that was Come a big on. deal. No, I mean it was on the on the on the headlines on social media. It was a big deal in, mm -hmm. in, here in California, but um, mm -hmm. in terms of like where you're located, those inland areas that you were speaking of, um, where those like cabins would be, would you say the hurricanes could get hit pretty dramatically there or no? Um, so with the previous storms that we've had, we've seen uh, if the larger storms are able to make it inland, your biggest thing is that is the debris that's following the trees and things like that, that are close by. So being in those heavily wooded areas, um, because our our pine trees are, are are taller and skinnier than most pine trees you'll see in the southeast. And so a um, little bit more susceptible to those high winds. But we typically don't see as uh, as much damage in, inland uh, just because of that elevation that we spoke of before. Uh, right. That's usually, we used to call it the, the bubble that was over this area where we'd watch hurricanes kind of dance east and dance west of us uh, until until recent. Okay. Um, well, let, me, let me ask you this. Is there something, you know, without saying anybody's name, that you see maybe in the Florida panhandle or just in real estate in general from other people in the industry that you see is unethical? and you have the moment to call them out? Um, I think in retrospect, when you look at the previous years of rental incomes and, and what we saw historically, they just don't match up. And, and to me, seeing that tune of, of the highest of highs, while those are great promised lands to land at, they're just not your normal. They're those one-offs that happen with all markets. And so I think emphasizing that while our trajectory year over year and long scale does show continued growth, emphasizing on those numbers and that type of demand is just unrealistic i feel like um, it's just not something we have seen historically for our area and that's that's in a support of logistics events the whole entire picture not not just the the dates the time or the weather mm -hmm. so you feel like there's certain realtors in the area that are kind of overstating where the market's at currently just making sure that if we're going to have inflated prices that you've got to look over them. There, there's no quick buck that be had here. You know, even from a flipping standpoint, um, you, you have to know a contractor or have a lot of contracting experience to be able to come in and, and be successful at it. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think just uh, just highlighting the the great times and not being realistic of over the, the times that we have had the highs and the lows and putting those into a balance. 
just doesn't prepare someone for the reality that can come. You know, they'll, they'll sit there and stare at a calendar and go, why aren't I booking and why aren't I booking? And it's just the seasonality that can have that can happen in this area. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I will say, though, Chris, the biggest skeptics of real estate of, you know, people wanting to buy saying buying is a bad time. I will say the biggest skeptics usually never buy from my experience in being real in real estate, seven and a half, almost eight years. I think it's, it's important for the audience and people to know that if you're constantly being bearish on real estate, I think it, it'll be a detriment to you. So there comes a time and point where you just got to jump in and let time do wonders for you. Right. Cause over time you, you end up winning. And I think it's very important to jump in into real estate. We live in a country where property rights is very important. So you got to own property, in my opinion. So I think it's very important for people to understand that. Um, and I, I think that's kind of why I got into real estate, too. I think property rights is so important. Having title to something then nothing will keep you happy. Absolutely. Does having a mortgage, though, restrict you, you know? employers love when their employees get a, a mortgage they're like oh this guy's gonna be stuck with me for a long time <laughs> well you don't have to tell them that's one thing right do you well i throw it up to the opposite to say why would open up a door for you where if you're just mm-hmm. renting and let's say you have a job change or something you're just going to be susceptible to that new market that that life event has has thrusted you into but having that mortgage you may foresee that there's an opportunity where you know at, as a homeowner I don't know what rent is in my area besides just being a realtor and, and keeping up mm-hmm. to date with it. And so five years go by and you've had your mortgage and now all of a sudden you're, you're proposed with a problem that turns into a great solution of maybe you can turn around and rent your house and cover your note and everything's beautiful because your right. neighbors are willing to pay more than you were or, you know, more than your normal. And so um, mm-hmm. I think I think time's probably the biggest asset we all have that if you can make a decision and look and reflect that at five, seven, ten years from now and look at where that position is. Usually, I haven't seen many people that have been in a downside besides mm-hmm. just making bad decisions. <laughs> well, for me and Andrew, we're in California. We're in Southern California. Life for a squatter is pretty good out here. How is it in Florida? <laughs> it's different. Uh, so it can be a little bit different. Uh, you have to you have to be knowledgeable. You have to know your laws. Um, you have to know what's right and what's wrong and what you can do and what you can't do. But it, it, it's a lot of the same. Uh, there's a lot of protection mm-hmm. Um, across the board for for squatters. But once you know the parameters of what you can work within, what actions you can do, um, there there's ways to to get you towards your goal. Absolutely. You just got to go through the proper channels and do what's right. Yeah, I saw one guy, I, I forget where this was, but it was somewhere in America. He just moved in with the squatter. Once they left, he moved in and just started living there and he got his property back. Oh, so wow. that's, that's kind of a dangerous strategy. You never know what's going to go down. But he moved right. in, and he took it back over. Oh, that's he good. Squatted the squatters. That's what I was gonna say. He played the game by their own rules and and squatted his own. That's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. smart dude. Great. That is smart. I like that. That's pretty bold. Uh, going back to, I want to go back to the cap rates. Um, capitalization rate is uh, net operating income, and you divide it by the indicated value of whatever property it is. For the audience and Chris to know, I'm not sure if Chris. You were aware that's like a return on investment. The higher the cap rate usually can be better in some cases. But when you were referring to cap rate in the area that you do real estate um, and service, what's the average cap rate? And are you referring to the average cap rate to short-term rentals or long-term rentals? 
both just because some of our communities will be non-rental so their hoas will dictate and mandate that you can't operate from a short-term rental standpoint mm -hmm. so you have to be versatile in both uh, but typically from the investment standpoint we're looking at a short-term rental aspect um, if it's me and we're looking for a buy buy we're going to look at 10 percent or, or better uh, wow that's music to my ears <laughs> out here just so you know out here you're looking around four to five if you're lucky yeah. Yeah. yeah we see sometimes where we'll get some of the five six and sevens and i'll say that we'll have buyers that come from different areas and uh there's a uh, a mutual misunderstanding because i'm telling you the number of six percent cap rate and that you look like you're smiling and we just don't understand why you're smiling still but that's yeah. just because historically we've seen those trends where uh eights nines tens up to twelves were were favorable for us now is the vacancy rate high in, in these cases then like since it's tends to be more seasonal from what I understand. Are, are we so, looking at like a, a, a several months where it's vacant? Uh, so typically not several months from a short-term aspect. Um, uh, your typical go-to will be 150 to 180 days booked. And so when you start to spread that over the calendar months and mm -hmm. weeks, um, we have a little bit of a lull in March and April. And then from May, we'll run solid for the next 100 days. We'll get into September and October and, and we'll kind of slow down a little bit. Like uh, October is probably some of the best weather we have. Miss 75 degrees. With a That's nice when I was there. Coming by. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful, man. Um, and then as we get towards November and December, we'll have a, more homeowners will come to the area. They'll enjoy their families and, and the estates, so to say. Um, and then January, February till March, we'll have snowbirds back in. So we'll have our Canadians that come and travel down here to us. Um, and then March 15th will roll around and we'll start having a spring break pick back up. So you'll have pockets of weeks and weekends. Uh, we'll have a little bit of lulls, but you know, it's to each time our weather changes, it's ideal for somebody in some other portion of the globe or the United States. If you're in Atlanta coming down here when it's 75 and it's 92 up there is ideal. But uh, right. so yeah, just, just a little bit of shifting perspective, but we have a, a really good drive to destination market from Atlanta, Tennessee to Texas. And then the, the, like I said, the snowbirds coming down from Canada for those first three months. And do, does your team and yourself take care of all that, the property management, or do you guys um, vendor it out to another company? Vendor it out to another company. Um, most of the long-term aspects, so month-to-month -month leases will handle internally. But if it's going to be uh, vacation rental or property management from a short-term aspect, you'll want to have somebody who that's, that's their 24-hour-a-day job. That's what they do best. Mm, yep, that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. How's the humidity in the panhandle? Oh man, higher than ever. Uh, it's usually, <laughs> usually we range between about eighty to to hundred percent on most days. Wow. So it's like that across all of Florida, then. Uh, most of, um, especially up in uh, in the northwest portion. Yes. Okay. And how involved are you guys in terms of um, like doing your weekly meetings? Is that like a is that like a thing you guys do consistently? And do you guys have to hit quotas? What's the situation like? So um, consistency is our bread and butter. I mean, it, it's the it's what we try to do best. And so from a team aspect, yeah, meeting weekly and at least touching base on what we have from our listings, where we're farming, prospecting, the opportunities that we have, because we see all events in the area as an opportunity to either mingle with another realtor or a service mm -hmm. provider for our area or to meet another client. But yeah, those are those are on a weekly basis. Um, absolutely. 
Okay. Now, what what do you think the future is of 30A? In turn, I, I already have an idea what you already said, but do you think it's going to become more of a place for retirees, or do you think it's going to continue the way it is for the next, let's say, 20 years from now? Yeah, 20 years, I think we'll continue in the trajectory that we are. I think you'll start to see uh, a little bit more younger of a demographic in our area because we have more options for, for permanent residency and to actually establish roots in our area, where before we were just such a transient place and, and you either, either knew or you didn't. Um, but I think over, over time, you'll really start to see infrastructure, the uh, support from both the manufacturing aspect, our farming and agricultural industries, we'll, we'll start to pivot and get away from tourism being our number one um, leading market. Right. So do you think the cap rates will probably be at some point in the 12 to 15 percent rate? Maybe that's that's where I hovered, because as we start to change the landscape of 30a and the surrounding areas and we start to migrate and move people that are permanent residents around a little bit and create opportunities for them in some of these gated communities or maybe waterfront and things like that the trajectory for the short-term aspect that's the only way i can really see for it to go um, now you also have the saturation a little bit from where 30a historically has not had any hotels we have no commercial chains there's no mcdonald's there's no fast food restaurants or anything like that mm -hmm. and so being uh, allergic to a lot of those industries has allowed us to create that niche and, and really be a good tourism destination now that's changed with saint joe and we do have five hotels that have built in the area here recently and so that saturation will play out a little bit but i think over time what it will create are different pockets of price points that people can come and be able to enjoy what is 38, but at different levels. Chris, has he sold you on the place yet? No, I mean, I love it. Um, the issue for me is always, look, there's pros and cons. I always say this, you know, I'm personally not a city guy, but I do live in San Diego City. I would like more land. I would like a front yard, a backyard, all that good stuff. One of the cool things about San Diego is we don't have bucks like they're, they're not here. I know if I go there, we got bucks. You know what I mean? Like most places oh, in bugs. America. Bugs. Yeah. But they said like, bucks. <laughs> like we don't have mosquitoes. We don't have any of the other ones that I won't even mention. It's just they don't exist here. There are, you know, arachnids and all that. But um, so there's pros and cons. I know that I would like to live in Florida Panhandle. And I know there would be things I don't like. And there would be things that I do like, you know. But mm -hmm. I would imagine... As long as I had a job that pays me, you know, kind of similar to what I get paid now over there, life would be great. You know, I could I could live anywhere. When, when are the bugs not around usually? Like what months? Um, as we crest into our colder months, you really start to see them die down. Um, as we get back into spring break, we'll start getting back into mosquito season and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. OK. And look, mosquitoes were never even really a problem to me. Um, I think it's the other ones that come along. But like I said, you know, I grew up in the south. I, I think it's. In San Diego, we're a little blessed in that regard, and we're definitely not blessed in other regards. You What's know? the other regards? Well, I would say the things that I would like about Florida would be more related to, um, I would say, we have a lot of stupid laws in California that I don't <laughs> agree with. Um, not Expand that I on cigarettes. that. Come on. Make it fun. Let's, well, let's talk not, about that. Yeah, I mean, not that I smoke cigarettes, but you can't buy Newports. You know, I mean, that's a crazy thing that happened. Um, you know, uh, look in Florida, that's against Newports. I mean, I'm just, yeah, any flavored tobacco is just not allowed. It's, I'm not a flavored oh, tobacco gotcha. smoker, but that's just crazy, right? And 
And, you know, my favorite picture uh, of the crazy year that we all went through is somebody on a paddleboard in Orange County being chased down by the Coast Guard because he violated um, the social distancing laws, you know? Yeah. And so they took him off that paddleboard in the middle of the ocean and they put him on the boat with them. I mean, that's complete crazy, you know? And so there's a lot that I like about Florida that we don't have yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, and I think we have these crazy laws because there's no humidity, there's no bugs. Like, we don't really care what's going on because we enjoy being outside so much. You know, I think that that is why, the you know, it's gotten this way. But anyways, not to go on a rant, there's a lot of things I like about Florida and there's a lot of things I like about San Diego and they're different, you know? Very yeah, there's so. definitely some some uh, opportunities that I'm seeing about Florida where I'm c- considering investing whether it be in the Miami area, Fort Lauderdale, or maybe even where you're at with, in terms of, um, you know, a little bit more inland and seeing that 10% cap rate or things like that. Um, so it's definitely, you know, has my interest to say the least. And, you know, in California, we don't see cap rates like that, but what we bet on is price appreciation. That's Mm -hmm. what we consistently see. It just continues to go up. I usually don't recommend I wouldn't say in all cases, but macro terms, Southern California, I don't always usually recommend my clients go the short term route of rentals because there tends to be uh, more risk involved. And I think in Florida, the laws there are a little bit more landlord friendly. Um, So if you're going to do short term rentals here, as long as you know what you're doing and you can, you know, you have the reserves to take care of a couple months of something happening. I think it's well worth it here, but you know, where you're at, I like. Well, and also to say this, you know, uh, Florida, I really like purple states because uh, I feel like there's really an exchange of ideas. There's really a debate. Um, if you live in a state that's really lopsided, re- regardless if it's red or blue, um, you don't really have a check and balance system. That's one thing I like about Florida is there's a very mixed range of politics there. So there's always a conversation and with debate, you get the, the better answers, the better results, you know, for your Could legislation. I agree with you more. I think that's, that's yeah. probably the most healthiest part about this area. Mm-hmm. Also, Florida finishes their elections like an hour before they're done, you know? <laughs> yeah, they're so uh, efficient. The done is done, man. I feel like the rest of y'all, y'all are trying to be too perfect about your numbers. Done is done. <laughs> I don't. Even, I don't even know if the 2020 California results are out yet. I mean, they're still counting. I know. You know. I know. It's too bad we don't have uh, Nick on here because he would be, um, you know, he would be uh, counting. I think Nick would like Florida. I think. I think from well, what Nick I know, Nick is moving Nick. to Florida, dude. So Nick is yeah, our co-host. He lives in Boston. He's moving to Tampa, but he's so, very. Um, Go ahead, Chris. You explain it. Well, I was gonna say. I was gonna say from what I I know. I know Nick a lot less longer than you have, of course. But from yeah. what I know of Nick now, I think Nick's a very purple guy. I think he's he's and when you met first met him, I think maybe from what you you mentioned, he's probably a little bit more on one side. But I think these days, I, I can see him being a, a lot nuanced. You know, like a lot of us, I think most Americans are really becoming more nuanced because they've seen the extremes of all all the sides. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, well, Tampa's so- a really good up and coming spot for. I mean, that's. That's typically where we see a lot of people who come over here who who usually gravitate towards wanting more of a city, wanting wanting more of that support and level. Mm-hmm. It usually end up on that side, uh, closer to Tampa. So great choice. Now, wait, now that you mentioned that, because I'm still very ignorant to Florida climate. So 
when a hurricane comes, is it going to be, obviously Tampa got hit pretty hard, but would the area that you're in potentially get hit just as hard or, or not? Um, so I know a lot of it's luck, but it, it is a lot of it is luck, but, um, a lot of it's the, the topography as well. When you start to look at the Gulf and how the shelf of that Gulf or the depth of that Gulf and how it interacts with a storm, the, the depth is going to determine how cold the water is, but then you also have surface temps that come into play. Um, for us, I think we get really lucky because we get a little bit of help from wind. Cause if you look mm -hmm. at the Appalachian trail coming down from Atlanta, this is where it starts to end. This is where the, the end of that mountain range comes to. And so you have a lot of winds that are coming from up North that would hit that and kind of push and start to push things a little bit more down and West. And so then the opposite track of that is that you see things that get into the Gulf, um, once they get a little bit closer to us, they kind of start to spin uncontrollably. And then they usually like a top, they run hard right or run hard left, but it's hard for a hurricane to kind of climb the hill. Historically, it has been to climb the hill to right. get to us over here. See that. I mean, that so makes it even that, more enticing to invest. You're there. saying that if like hurricanes were a little bit more athletic, you know, <laughs> you'd have a problem, but, uh, you know, I think it has a lot well, to do with. We watch it from rain. We watch the the edges of the of the shelf clouds that are coming in and moving in towards the area. They'll they'll hit those high pressure systems, and you'll it's like an invisible barrier. But you'll just watch it move, and you're like, why is it not coming right towards me? And it's it's that pressure system. I have like a really strange fascination with uh, hurricanes. Um, you know, growing up in New Orleans, um, to the point to where it's very unhealthy. When I was in Miami, I don't know two years ago, and there was talks about a hurricane coming our way. And I was just excited. Like I wasn't, it was going to be there in four days. I wasn't trying to catch a flight back home. I was like, this is going to be fun. It missed us. I was disappointed. And this is not, I don't think this is a normal feeling to have, but I like hurricanes. I don't know. Maybe I'm in the minority here. I've, I've been through small ones and I've been through some big ones. Um, mm -hmm. The great thing is that you have plenty of forewarning. So, you know, mm -hmm. we always call it cone, but once you've been coned, that's when you're in the, the land of uncertainty. Um, mm -hmm. But as it as it moves towards us and whatnot, you'll it, we get plenty of warning to be able to vacate if we need mm -hmm. to. Well, I think it's a lot like a gambler, right? Where, for mm -hmm. instance, Dana, somebody like Dana White, they have to put up. Wait, who's Dana White? Some people might not know. So the commissioner, like of the Nick, UFC, Nick right? wouldn't know, by the way. But go ahead. The Ultimate Fighting Championship. Another okay. shot at Nick. Um, <laughs> but basically, he's got so much money that he has to put more and more money up to get that same thrill, right? I mean, that's probably the same feeling I'm experiencing. We get into that. I have a. I knew the entire time we have a hurricane coming towards San Diego. I knew the. You know, the. It's just not gonna. Once by the time it arrives here, based on the water temperatures and everything, it's gonna calm down. You know. Mm -hmm. And for me, it wasn't exciting. Everybody else around here in the grocery store, they're having fun. Everybody's having fun over here. I think I need at least category three to get that same Dana White level of uh, betting 50000 on a hand of blackjack. Um, I think that's probably the same thing I'm experiencing as the gamblers, except gambling with my life, you know. Well, if you've been from this area and you've seen it, the most beautiful day is the day after a hurricane passes oh, yeah. just past us. The skies are just clear and they're oh, blue yeah. and the water's the yeah. same. And so I think that's that's part and, and just the inconvenience of, of boarding up, packing all of your stuff, vacating the, the area and then coming back to go. I could have just stuck around and stayed. I could have mowed the grass or done my Saturday chores instead. <laughs> mm -hmm. Speaking of which, know, the climate and, 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 and the water temperature, um, the water temperature there is pretty warm, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Yeah, we're 75 ish. I mean, right now we're in the 50s and 60s right now. And so, okay. Yeah. So I'm not There's saying I'm. Like, 
there is a trade-off. I'm not saying I'm a surfer, but I learned how to mm. surf last month and it was oh, exhilarating, pro. right? It was amazing. Water was cold, but a wetsuit actually does wonders. I thought it was a bunch of nonsense, but the, you know, wetsuit isn't too bad. So with that said, um, now I can actually stand on the board, mind you. I heard that that's actually hard, but no, you did good. Yeah. Thank goodness. Uh, yeah. So I spoke to some of my friends are, I have a lot of friends that are surfers and, you know, I thought they were just being nice, but I, I spoke to some surfers, locals in Orange County, Coastal and San Diego. And they said, getting on the board of your first try or your first time going out is a big deal. So, you know, I got to pat myself on the back a little bit, mm -hmm. but the reason well, why it's I bring a lot this like up, catching a fish, it's a lot like catching a fish your first time fishing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it just, might no, not I don't happen. know about might, that. Be no, cause you might not get the wave. It, there's, right. it's kind of similar, you know? You're right. talking about ocean fishing. I'm talking about going to a lake. You know, not everybody catches a fish their first time, you know, right. going out to a lake or something, you know? Yeah, but I think it's a little bit, not to, to my own horn, but I think it's a little bit more complex. It's not more so the luck of getting a fish. It's also the ability to stand on, on the wave. But That's true. Before, but going before, like, you know, the debate aspect of it, <laughs> what are the waves like out there, though? Because, like, can do people surf there? I don't know. Uh, so you get Probably a mix not, of right? stuff. I, I would yes and no. So there's there's some timing to it, and then there's the locations that you really have to pick out. I know you of course know that there's surf spots and places that are going to be better than others. But for us, it's it's usually about what man has done to our area. So if they've dredged in an area and things like that, it can impact the waves. We typically don't have very great surf in this area, um, but I always lean towards. So Kelly Slater grew up in Pensacola, which is about an hour and a half west of me. Um, he grew up surfing trash waves over there, three footers, little knee knocks, um, surfing hard waves. And so uh, I got a little bit of that same experience when I lived down in Destin for a while. And I luckily lived right next to a really killer surf break. And so I ended up mm. shortboarding down there for a while. Um, we don't get as many long borders in our area because the waves just, they don't carry for as long. They're much more shorter rides, but right. that's why you'll see so many people doing stand up paddle boarding around in this area because you can go from the lake and do it and you go out there on the Gulf. And when it's mm -hmm. flat out on the Gulf, it's, it's unique because you'll see uh, a lot of migrations coming through across that shelf from manta rays to sharks, to all different types of wildlife. Okay. So yeah, see, the, that, that sounds good to me because I don't ever plan to be a real surfer, like on a big wave, honestly, yeah. I'm a realtor. I like to read. I'm not the guy that's going to go out there all the time, but okay. Go ahead. One, of, what one, say? one of the trade-offs is, uh, you know, you, you got warm water in Southern California. We have cold water in Florida. You have jellyfish in California. We don't have jellyfish. Ooh. I mean, we still that's have a some out here. Trade -off. I mean, not we have still you have some, not nothing close to Florida. But, yeah. I, mean, I, guess, I go to the beach but... all the damn time in California in SoCal. And Do you go in the water though? Yeah, I've never been stung by a jellyfish in Florida. Like I remember as a kid, at five years old, I got stung four times in like five minutes. Yeah, well, yeah, we have six to there. seven different jellyfish species that are yeah. uh, native to our area that we have to Jesus. watch out for. And we have a lot of uh, a lot of wildlife migrates through our area um, because the fresh water coming down off the rivers and whatnot, getting to the coastal dune lakes, and eventually get into the Gulf. So our Gulf water is is. Um, impacted by outside sources where that's not necessarily the same for, for most of our area. So uh, yeah, see. jellyfish are, are as real as they come. Does it hurt? I mean, Does it hurt it, a lot? I haven't been stung by one. Thank goodness. Not yet. I mean, one of my most traumatizing, I'm going to share this with everybody. One of my most traumatizing moments is when I was a kid at five years old, I got stung by a jellyfish and I remember walking up to my uncle to tell him and he ignored me. And then I went, 
Then I went into the vacation rental to where all my aunts were all like, oh, my God, it's going to be OK. But I'll just never forget my uncle just ignoring me. Like, I don't know. <laughs> he taught you the matter. It probably helped me, yeah. help me grow up. You know what I mean? <laughs> I the like, the nice you know aspect is you can learn. So a lot of them, they'll stay up at the very top of the water. And so if mm -hmm. we are ever out floating and you see a, a, a big school of them, you just got to dive mm -hmm. down and, and be very uh, thoughtful with how you're going to come mm -hmm. up for your, for your breath. Mm -hmm. But. That makes yeah. sense. Dive well, and evade. Speaking of which, because you sound like you're kind of um, experienced, I know I, I I believe you're an outdoorsman to some degree. Um, so if you can explain your background in the outdoors, besides you being a realtor, you know, explain that, and then how that has helped you maybe get clients. And I want you to go over that before we get get into the uh, current events. Really. Um, so, yeah, I've always been outdoor and active. Um, I consider myself a little bit of a water bug. If, if I can source out a really good epic piece of water, rather if it's a, a river, a lake, a stream or whatever it may be. Um, but I think especially for here, because a lot of people, are, we have a lot of beautiful aspects. You're not coming down here for, for world class shopping and things like that. You're coming down here typically because the natural beauty that we have. And so we'll, we'll usually find a lot of people are gravitated towards that same thing. And so I found that it uh, it allowed for me to really to connect with people that were that were similar to me, that, that carried a lot of the same interests. And it didn't matter if it was being a conservationist where we were needing to organize, you know, getting out there on the beach and picking up trash or something along those lines. Or if it's uh, getting together with like the next door car club and just talking about things that we're all similar interested in. And so I think it's important to always kind of, you know, Find that group, find that tribe, find that community that, that vibes with you well so that you can be able to go somewhere and just be yourself and not feel mm -hmm. like you're on a show uh, or, or anything like that. But um, but, yeah, I've been I've been hiking, biking and, and paddling these rivers around here since I was a little kid. And um, like I said, I got lucky that my granddad lived a little bit west of me. My aunt lived a little bit east of this area. And so going back and forth, I really got to go down some uh, some dirt roads and find some some really hidden aspects uh, of this mm -hmm. of this place that are absolutely gorgeous. And, and the seasonality of it, the you know, we have the manatees will be coming through here in the winter. They'll go up towards our, our rivers and whatnot. Um, and they'll start to almost hibernate through there. And so I'm, I'm stoked that here in November, I'll get to go swim with some of the manatees and whatnot and just mm -hmm. get to see them. Um, but also in that same aspect where, you know, I say that now, and I've watched both y'all kind of light up from it. I'm in that same camp that I have to make sure to let you know, don't touch them. You know, there, there's certain rules and things that we all have to observe when we're interacting with nature like that, to keep it like it is. And so right. um, I don't know that I'll call myself a steward of, but I'll wear that hat of going, I want it to be, be here for a long time and if we just understand the importance and the values of how it balances something then then it's 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 real it's tangible it, you know it's it's attached to you there and so yeah getting out and and finding like-minded people that love this area or you know bird watching or, or the bees the pollen i mean any of it there there's i mean there is immense amount of beauty almost everywhere you turn down here mm -hmm. so one of the things i wanted to ask you about um, you know, me and Andrew and Nick, we talked about it a little bit. We don't live in a state that has enacted policies like this. But uh, earlier this year, February 2023, DeSantis um, signed a uh, a school choice bill on the law, Bill 1, House Bill 1. And what this is, it basically gives people, you know, the whole idea of school choice is you know, the federal government's already giving. Oh, geez, you're going to get us in trouble here. Keep going. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. 
you know, the federal government already pays like over $20,000 per student for public schooling, right? And they pay the schools based on how many people they have enrolled. But what Florida signed into law, um, basically, and, you know, I haven't dug into it very deeply, but the idea is you could take this voucher and go to like a private school. And there I've, I've read a little bit about how in real estate, you know, the, the choices of school, the education raises the prices of real estate in the nearby area. Mm-hmm. And I know it's still early into this program. Um, I mean, this was earlier this year. Have you seen anything on the ground out there about how this has enhanced, you know, real estate value or just enhanced community in general? Yeah, I would say you you definitely can see a direct and indirect correlation between the action that's taken place of the law changing. Um, his over the past couple of years, we've seen that uh, the ratings of our school systems really start to increase. And as we've had people from other markets come here, they've come here and gotten vocal about that, of making sure that we're pushing that as hard as we possibly can. Um, wow. Now on the the hindsight of, and, and, and I say this, this is a little bit more closer because I was having a conversation about this last night. I do like that Florida will try some things. We'll try something, we'll review it, we'll analyze the data and then make a decision from there rather than just proposing what could possibly happen and, and dying there. So I do like that mm-hmm. we'll try something, but we are starting to see a little bit that a lot of the vouchers that are being claimed are being claimed by people who are already in private schools. And so mm-hmm. we don't know if it's actually going to do what the goal is looking towards of getting getting people to be more pro-choice and say, hey, I want my child to have this mm-hmm. as a school opportunity. And so I'm going to move, change and shift to this. People who mm-hmm. are doing that, absolutely, we see them coming here. And, and I say, mm-hmm. because as we go and we look at certain locations, you can kind of step back and go, are we staying in this certain school right here? And then you turn around and look mm-hmm. and you can gauge the kids' ages and you can see what what's most important. Um, but mm-hmm. at the same time, a, a great realtor is going to make sure to kind of talk about a lot of that before we actually go out and, and look at property so we understand the goal, the plan, and everything all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm very interested to see how it impacts it and what it will do and to see if it will lead us towards that promised land of making sure that we can focus collectively kids together in a location that want to do better and then not have this this opposite side of where we feel like we're just um, floating the bill for kids that so don't necessarily want to be there. I think there's that want aspect that we're trying to to reignite. Um, and so it's uh, it's going to be interesting. But, you know, some of that data also may just be, you know, if I'd already done this thing and I qualified, of course, I'm going to sign up for it. So mm-hmm. we may need mm-hmm. to see some time that people can take that information and make a tangible action from it and, and make that move or change or look for a job in that area or, or try to seek what they're looking for. I mean, that was very nicely said. And that, you know, that, that sounded like an extremely honest take of someone who's thought about this a lot. Um, you know, and while you're saying that it dawned on me, just because something's there doesn't mean that the information's even getting to maybe the people that could be the most advantaged by it. Right. Um, it's not, I mean, a lot of people don't follow, a lot of people probably don't even, I would say the majority of people don't know what school choice even means. You know, mm-hmm. um, you, you see some movements happening. You see in uh, Chicago, there's a really big movement happening. And what you see is this bipartisan support happening, kind of grassroots level, where it ends up once people realize this is a thing that makes sense, you see and you, what you find out is there's a lot of special interest groups here, right? Um, the Teachers Association, things like that. And but I but I do I I do want to go back to what you said. What you said was really interesting that people who are already in private school are using it. 
And it's kind of like anytime there's any kind of government handout, for instance, COVID was a good one. There's going to be people taking advantage of it. But is the needs being met by the people it was meant to really, you know, bring into school choice? You know, and that's the question I think that we don't know the answer to yet. Well, I think it'll probably take probably about two or three years before we really see it, Um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, those are those kids going to high school. I mean, that's their high school career right there. They could possibly go Mm -hmm. by while this is all in action of us learning and seeing if it works. But uh, I I do think that if you if you inform most of the people and and show them the tools and the resources to get what their goal is and they know that that's their goal. And I say that in the Mm -hmm. true means of not a dream of I just want my child to go to the best school, truly a goal that you're willing to do things to ensure that your child's education is what's most important to you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I can see that being very beneficial for the for the way people move and make decisions moving forward. Oh, for sure. I see all the I mean, time. Andrew, clients ask- are always asking for that. Where are the best schools at? Yeah. Well, Andrew, let me ask you this question. Um, you and your wife have two kids, let's just say, hypothetically. We don't, right? but yes, hypothetically, yes. Maybe you do, but hypothetically, <laughs> um, you okay. you have two kids and this law gets passed. Let's say Gavin Newsom signs the law, the same exact law into play today, right? Your kids are in public school, hypothetically, right? Mm-hmm. Do you just, hey, how do we get them to private school immediately? Is that not your, how do we take advantage of them, of this and get it over to like a private school or a charter school? Some As soon as this comes out, are you not making that move? Probably. Yeah. I think most people would do that. Does that mean the grass is greener on the other side? I don't know. But I think most people are like, wow. Well, and what I'm really looking forward to see is how does public school respond to this? Do they get more aggressive about how they're looking at going after teachers and what they're focusing on? Are they going to the standardized testing become more important because we're going to read those data points and make adjustments? Or are we just going to recycle and go to the next class the next year and hope for the best. And so mm-hmm. I do think that from a strategic standpoint, the public school system, I mean, if you're going to make a career in the public school system, you have to adjust to this a little bit, but mm-hmm. you have to look at it as a business and be a little bit more aggressive and, and mm-hmm. go and headhunt somebody who's going to bring value to your team. Right. Yeah. The biggest argument from the other side of this is this is going to take this. This is what's repeated constantly. This is going to take money from public schools. Why? Why would it? You know, that's the the answer to that is why. And it's because we all know the public schools have been kind of running the show these days and maybe they've gotten a little fat and maybe it's time to examine yourself, look at yourself and go, hey, some teachers deserve an incentive and some deserve to be cut, you know, right. treat it like a regular business. And I think that what you see is the storm of like there's no incentive for teachers to to do better. And then there's also no there's no consequences in a lot of cases, you know. And that's the worst of both worlds. With that said, how how are the public schools out there? I don't even know. Oh, we're we're top rated in Florida right now. I mean, especially mm-hmm. Northwest Florida area. We've we've ranked as some of the highest. Okay, well, that's good to know. We <laughs> also have important. some really unique charter schools and private schools there in the area, but the the mm-hmm. public schools are really trying to compete and make sure that they can they can support what's needed. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Wow, that's. I mean. I'm, this is this has been a great conversation because you're the first person I've really talked to that saw this change in education. I've never talked to anybody who's actually experienced this. And so in Florida, right? Like, well, just in general, I, I haven't. I mean, Florida isn't the only state to do this, but I've just never talked to someone with knowledge of 
you know the the implications on the ground. Oh yeah, That's I cool. think I, well, I think it's you know people buy and sell real estate for so many different reasons, and um, mm-hmm. we have started to see where we're talking about the transient nature and the and the tourism <clears> that that dominates our area. We are starting to see more people you know find this place to be beautiful and want to live here and make it their permanent residence. And so there was mm-hmm. a there was a balance, but um, yeah, it, it's been it's been slow and hard fought to get here. But I think it's I think it's important to those decisions if you're. Life is funny in the sense that time is, is is malleable and we have to look at it and go, and if mm-hmm. you're making decisions based on the time that you're going to have with either your family or yourself being here, then those are the type of, that, that's the way I would make a decision for my long term. Right. Sounds so like uh, Chris is thinking long and hard about, uh, I don't know what's, what's going on with Chris, but it looks like you're thinking about the school systems and I guess we're all getting older, so interesting yeah i mean i i just personally think that um you know florida has a chip on its shoulder right now and we know that people when they have a chip on their shoulder they they're more likely to do big things they're more likely to take down bigger opponents and i feel like you know i live in a state right now it's it's a little fat you know and maybe it would be good to live in a place with a chip on its shoulder you know yeah Yeah. see how the competition levels out the playing field so to say and, and I mean, Jeffrey, what are we real- looking towards? The goal is to, when you're talking about the school system, the goal is to provide a better environment for children to learn, which directly helps them and indirectly helps us because they're going to be here taking care of us. So it, mm-hmm. it's a win-win across the board with this investment, I feel like. Right. Totally. Yep. Also I wanted- have zero kids. I was about to ask you that because I don't remember. I know you're married. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I was I, I, I wasn't sure when I asked, but I was like, wait, th- does he have kids? It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have kids either. Chris doesn't. But, I don't think I None of us have kids. Does, does anybody <laughs> in this conversation have a DUI? <laughs> no? Nope. All right. No. So none of us pay child support or have a DUI. We are the 1%. Wow. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a, good a lot of people listening have either one of those two things. That's it's amazing cool. how enlightening perspective can be sometimes. <laughs> we we got to ask Chris, uh, not Chris, uh, Nick, um, if he has one of those two. Because we never asked him directly, have we? I'm just going to go put my money that he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. He's not a DUI guy or a child support guy, you know? <laughs> no, the truth is, is that DUI people and child support people are people who take a lot of risks. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah, and, yeah, uh, true. Nick, Nick is a very calculated person. You haven't met Nick, uh, wait, I wish you did because he's a very, um, very, uh, good guy. He reminds you of like a tech, uh, TV show, like a Palo Alto, you know, Northern California guy. That's what he is. Yeah, I got to see a little bit from some of y'all's previous episodes and whatnot that I've, that I've watched and got to see oh, okay. a little bit there. So, oh, you know, when you see somebody like that, you feel like you've met them, even though you haven't. And so, right. Um, yeah, I look forward to the opportunity one day. Good, Have you noticed good. Andrew always kind of has like a vendetta against Nick? <laughs> Have you noticed that? Is that, is that coming out on the TV screen? <laughs> no, nah, not very much. No? Oh, you know what I think it is, though, Chris? What I think it is is... Uh... Okay, so maybe you can you can understand where I'm coming from with uh, a lot of times clients, not clients, but someone that's about to be a client, they're constantly challenging you, like your knowledge and your critical thinking, your negotiation skills. And every time I have uh, Nick on the podcast, whether we have a guest or not, 
the guy is always constantly challenging me, like consistently, where it gets a little annoying. But you know, I love the guy; he's great. But that's that's the only reason. <laughs> I mean, I think I must. I think I must have joined in on this after the pendulum has shifted because now I feel I find myself being Nick's defense attorney a lot of the times. <laughs> yeah, he is. You know? <laughs> and so I feel like maybe Andrew, there's this trauma that I haven't been there for. And now he's responding and Nick has almost got this guilt where he's like, yeah, I had this coming the whole time. <laughs> yeah. you know? I agree. I agree. Um, let's go to the current events real quick. Um, and then Whit, please uh, jump in because obviously you're a realtor like I am. So you'll know all about this stuff. But basically there was a point where we were looking at 8% eight and a half percent mortgage interest rates right now we're looking around 7.35 to seven and a half percent obviously depending on what type of loan you take and your credit score debt to income ratio etc um the national association realtors uh, chief economist lawrence yoon is saying mortgage rates will not go back to three percent we'll be lucky if we get back to five percent what do you think about that i mean the I think setting an expectation that if we were if we got the five, we'd all feel like we we're probably in, in the glory land. It'd be a great day right now in comparison to where we are. Um, I think prospectively, though, people thinking that we're going to get back to those twos and threes mm-hmm. is going to leave them with some false hope. So right. I think bringing the ceiling down to fives and saying that that's going to be realistic will help two things. One, it will help that once we get the five, people go, oh, we're there. Let's go again. And, and you'll start to see things pick back up. But I don't think you'll have as many people who will sit and go, oh, they'll keep on going down and have the, those wishers or professional planners, so to say, who just keep thinking they will get better and the grass will get greener tomorrow. Um, I think you'll have some people who will start to actually move on things. But, um, yeah, it, it's a it's a hard one right now. It's, it's yeah. probably the most difficult thing to forecast. I will say I feel like Chris is the type of guy that thinks they're going to go back to two to three. So he wants to wait. What do you think, Chris? Well, I am a notorious holdout um, for for worth. You know, I uh, I saw that the market was really high in 2020, and I should have bought then, and I didn't. I'm an idiot. I will say that <laughs> you guys talk about skeptics. Yeah, I was that guy for a very long time. That's why I'm calling him out because he's a skeptic. Yeah. I have a lot I, of friends you know, that are skeptics. I really am. I'm about to buy now. Finally, you know, we're going to we're going to buy, and uh, I held out. And I'm just going to tell everybody, anybody that's listening, don't hold out. Just buy now. Buy when it's right. Buy when you have a your Just job is now. good. You have the money. You feel comfortable. You're looking to stay where you're at, wherever it is, at least five I know years. People or that so. I've worked with and I've known Do what it. they made, and they they have like four kids, and they bought a house, and I'm like, how are you doing that? And so that's why I say, just buy now. Yeah. Figure it out. Well, and, and I maybe, think historically we'll you... always see rates change a little bit. I think we've always been able to see that those adjust, but we never see times or positions in the market where terms change. And this is one of those times that terms are changing because of interest rates. And so locking down some great terms and parameters right. of a great investment and then being able to, you know, everybody always the date, the rate, um, marry the house. And so mm-hmm. being able to restructure that, but you won't ever be able to restructure terms without without reclosing. And so that, that's where I always get of going, if it fits and, and you hit the nail on the head, Andrew, if, if it fits, it's got to be the right time for you. You have to have all your ducks in the row. It can be a fantastic time to buy, but if you're upside down on credit cards and done with those types of debt and you're leveraged to the teeth, it's it's not your time to buy. And so I think everybody's uh, perspective is a little bit different, but right. um, you know, it's also in that same scale of going, 
if you are renting and you're looking to try to secure something, then you have to make some adjustments and you just have to knuckle down and, and, and figure out what your actual goal is. Right. And th there's a lot of creative ways of financing too. Like uh, right now I have a client um, who's using a 0% down FHA mortgage, which I didn't even know about until three weeks ago, maybe. And granted only particular lenders do this and granted, you know, what it really is, is that 3% down or three and a half percent down is just getting tacked onto the mortgage. But there's always an ability to get into owning property. There's always creative financing to some degree. So I always recommend people if, if they really want to buy, there's likely a way to, you know, go ahead and jump in and, and plan for it. Well, and I think the, I think the new uh, multifamily option is, is another good perspective to look at. 5%. Yeah, well, I mean, you can turn around and that could be a great option for somebody, but only if you can own or occupy. If if your lifestyle or your job or your career or your business doesn't allow you to own or occupy, it doesn't matter if I tell you it's one percent. It's right. not going to fit into into your life. And so, I, yeah, I totally understand that. I've been trying to persuade my wife with my sales skill to consider living in a unit where we buy a building and we have tenants, but she wants a house next. Well, it's so, never going to be a good idea to tell your wife that you're going to live in a unit. You know, look, <laughs> guys, we could live in a cardboard box, right? Pretty much, um, yeah. Women don't want to live in a unit, dude. You know, at least call. Well, it I wouldn't different. call it a unit, but you know, you a. Just uh, did. Well, yes, because I'm talking amongst men, right, or amongst okay. my friends. But it, you know, I pitched it in other ways to her, but she's like, "No, I don't want to live in another box." What if you call it like a bodega? But it's but it's really just a unit. <laughs> I, I'd probably tell you to approach her from look at what you would be able to save, like look at how your finances would adjust if y'all yeah. lived in that, and then show her what could be entertainable or an option five years down the road by making those savings and having this great 20% down payment. So you don't have to pay mortgage insurance on this so that when you do go and secure that home, we're securing that home, not a home, mm -hmm. the one you really want. And so long term. Yeah. So in 2007, hindsight's 2020, but you're back in time, 2007. Are you telling people to buy? Probably yes, because, you know, based on what you're making, like you could be making a smart decision and it's going to really pay off in the long run. Or you could be like some of the people in the big short who made very irresponsible choices and you're screwed. <laughs> well, I, I guess my hesitation first goes into macro or micro. If we're going macro, probably still lean towards a yes, but I'd probably be more closer towards a maybe. If I was in the micro aspect, oh, absolutely. I mean, mm -hmm. what we were what we were paying for properties around here in 2007 is nuts. Yeah, uh, it's nuts in comparison. Can I buy real estate with Bitcoin? Yes, in awesome. some markets, right? Yeah. I mean, Florida, they have a mayor that was, uh, what was he doing? He was trying to like yeah, make, buy um, property with Bitcoin, right? Miami, Miami mayor. Yeah, he ran for president. What's his name? I forgot his name. Yeah, I forgot him too. Suarez. Mayor Suarez. Suarez. Yep. 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 Well, they, they, they switched the name of the uh, convention center. It was called something, Bitcoin, I think. And they switched mm -hmm. it back. So obviously that didn't do too well. But in any case, um, CPI is down from 3.7% uh, year to year to 3.2. The jobs report came in lower um, for October. And the reason why I bring that up is that's partially the reason why mortgage rates fell. Um, what else? Um, 
Mortgage applications, according to Redfin, have gone up 2.8% over the last week. Uh, it's been a slow recovery, obviously. Um, you know, with you know, buyers have been kind of slower, especially with the holiday season. That's kind of where we're at. Um, but here's an interesting one that we talked about before, I think, on the last podcast, like two podcasts ago, Chris. But just for for wit, maybe see what his thoughts are. Um, mm-hmm. We have Nepo Home Buyers. I don't know if you heard of Nepo Home Buyers, but it's um, basically where buyers rely on their family for uh, the down payment, the gift money. Forty percent mm-hmm. of people under thirty at thirty or under have received gift money or inheritance money to buy. What do you think about that? Uh, that's a, it's um, I think it starts to really show the the inequality on what you have from the coming up generation and where they're starting out in comparison mm-hmm. of where we started out and then going back generations and generations. Um, I, I think it also does lean towards a lot of those demographics of those older people who are giving those gifts, what they invested in and some of their opportunities were just a lot different than what we're seeing today. They're, they're, they didn't have as turbulent of markets that they were looking at. Of course, they'll always lean back towards the high interest rates of the 80s and some of those, you know, they were right. our ages right around those times. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, sh- it shows that there's a true imbalance of cash and where cash is at. Um, but I-, I think some of it here that we see too is uh, it should be not gifted or granted, but it's not a uh, it's not the ideal goal that most people are working towards. They're a house is something that that comes as part of the kit of growing up. What was there anything else you want to cover that we may have not covered today? Um, no, nah, I mean, I, I mean, you got a chance to see it firsthand. I mean, it's a it's a beautiful place. It's a little unique. Um, the the like I said, the quartz based sand, the the Emerald Coast waters, all of those pieces are just I don't know, it's special. And it's uh, you know, as many times as you and me have talked, I would say that it definitely did what it's done to most people that visit here. It leaves a little bit of itself on you, like right. you take part of it with you, or uh, or it's stuck in the back of your head where it just constantly keeps dragging and drawing you back to it. Um, and so, like I said, not a not a lot of me people are, are from this area. And so, um, nah, I, I just love it. I, I made it an active choice that if I was back then, because now I do something I absolutely love. But back then, the statement between me and my wife was if we were going to work jobs that we didn't love, why not go and live somewhere that we absolutely fell in love with? And so mm-hmm. we did. We packed it up a couple of weeks later and drove on down here. But nah, the, the opportunity to get to talk about this place is uh, it's reinvigorating. You know, it, it, sometimes we uh, we get so close to the flame, we, we lose perspective. And so uh, past couple of days, just getting to look up and research some of my area and go back and make sure I, I, I knew what I needed to know for you and whatnot was was nice. And so I enjoyed Good. it. I, I kind of took a took a stroll through my city again. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, before we jumped on, I was I was actually searching properties for sale new home builds um i don't remember i don't have the tab open anymore unfortunately but i did tweet it and it's south of rosemary beach along the coast a bunch of new home builds i saw something i think it was a two bed two bath single family home for only four hundred forty five thousand or five hundred thousand. it's not on the coast but it's like very near the coast and I, it was beautiful so i was pretty like uh I was tempted to tell her, hey, we should go move there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so where I met you, I live about three miles, four miles east of that location. 
Um, okay. And we start to see that there are, uh, there's a couple of builders because builders is what we lack the most of around here. Mm -hmm. And so there's a couple of builders that have migrated towards our area um, that are really focusing on non-rental communities and, and trying to give us some options because mm -hmm. as we keep turning places into Airbnbs and other rentals, we're moving our workforce force farther and farther away from where they're actually needing to go for work every day. And so it's, an, it's important to kind of balance that back to it. But um, no, there's, I mean, we can look and, and yeah, there's a spread from $800 a square foot to well below 400 that we can wow. get into and, and still be able to find something that makes sense for somebody. But right. uh, yeah, just takes a little bit of time. I see there's a lot of opportunity there. And I feel like besides real estate, maybe there's a business to be made there too of some sort. So, oh, I mean, we see a lot of people who have relocated to the area here recently, um, if they were retirees or second homes or, or you know, kind of getting into that next chapter of life. A lot of their kids or their um, their grandkids or whatnot are starting to move to the area because they've been to a different city or they've seen a successful business in another part of the nation. Mm -hmm. And they're like, this area needs a little bit of that. And so it is it is nice that we get a, a real mix of getting to see things that like you'd see out there on the West Coast that would be normal for you. Maybe we'll right. come over here and be a, a new opportunity. Um, the USA soccer team actually just purchased a large uh, grab of land in our area to really develop their new their new training center. Can, uh, once, we're, you know, once this ends, if you can send me that and yeah. anything, anything else that's interesting, please send it my way, because I definitely want to start diversifying investing elsewhere so that'd be great if you could do that for me well and, and i only say that there's there's the huge op because as we looked over the nation over the past years you see farmland turn into other things mm -hmm. and that's our second biggest industry in our area mm. so we're going to see some transition of some of that land or large holdings getting moved over into different ops um but things like that are going to bring us like i said more infrastructure more support more right. uh normalcy but less less t-shirt shops and and souvenir places to go by and, and more things actually come and do and get some value from i love so, that i love that in six months um we're gonna have a, a bunch of high school graduates right and let's say you have one and they say what would be the best way for me to like what's the best path to become a real realtor should i go to college like what would you do if you could roadmap it out for someone you cared about I would say that my pathway to how I became a realtor, I mean, of course it's mine, but I, mm -hmm. I think it would create a lot of value in the relationship and it would be find some way to service them, find a way to service those, those locations or the customers or clients that are purchasing homes in our area. And I mean that from either a management or an oversight standpoint. I mean, there's, there's people who literally just go by and check homes once a week to make sure that they're, the lights are on, the ACs are like they're supposed to, the yards are upkept and those types of management. But I think getting belly to belly with the client and, and getting it away from business a little bit and hearing that, you know, yes, this is my job and this is what I'm going to come and set up a business of, but this is John's house. This is where his kids and his family will come have Christmas. I'm going to take care of it for a multitude of reasons, but I'm going to take care of it because I owe it to John and those feelings that his family will get to have by me doing what I'm supposed to do. And so I think the the way that relationship balances everything of I service this so that it can service me also, I think it is important to to show the youth, the younger ones of um, when you 
get to these positions. This is how you'll want to talk and treat someone who services you and support. And I say service, and, and I mean in the true support sense of the word. Um, but this is part of your team. This is who's helping mm-hmm. you get to your your goal or your destination. And so uh, I just think it speaks volumes to be able to, to respect the janitor, so to say. So I, I noticed that you really focus more on the community aspect of it instead of on the um, educational side of it. It seems like community networking is way more important than anything you're going to learn in getting your realtor license. By the yeah. way, you just focused on that, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I think the I think the education aspect only because as we talk about it from like a university level or from a classroom standpoint, you're going to have a lot of perspectives, but there's not a lot of perspectives that will be unique to my market or, or the, the coastal aspect of. And mm-hmm. so I, I do think that there is some... Uh, perspective that you'll gain from seeing it from a knowledge standpoint, but also being able to sit down and, and you know, we paint these pictures and see people who have done these things, uh, CEOs or, or presidents of companies, and we all imagine that they just got there by by gritting their nails and, and doing hard work, but actually getting to sit with them and have a relationship and have the possibility for that mentor to reach down and send the elevator up to you going, this is how I actually did it. And it was being honest and forthright and a good communicator and and speaking to people with some empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. My education from school did a lot to get me here, but but mm-hmm. being compassionate for the human on the other side of the table, no matter what it is, the competing realtor for a, for a listing appointment or um, I, I don't know. I just think that everybody should should get an ounce of respect from you. <clears throat> looking at it from that perspective, it, it, it just grants it to you a lot. So if right. you know, if you're, if you're 18 and you know in your heart, like all I want to do, my passion is to be a realtor, right? Would you advise them to go to a four-year school or not? If all I wanted to be was a realtor, no. Like you knew I, someone. I would, I would, I would encourage them. I would encourage them probably to do it the, the opposite way. I would go out mm-hmm. and get some work experience working in the industry. I get the Property belly management. to belly Oh, yeah. Well, property management or even helping a realtor as an admin assistant, but get Mm -hmm. belly to belly to two people, the business owner and the customer client. Understand Mm -hmm. the demographics of both of them fully, what their wants, needs and desires are, where their pain points are, too, and, Mm -hmm. and figuring out what their actual goals are between each other and where you can line up to to help them both out and prosper yourself. But I think finding that balance between those two of, of the why we all go to school and come back or people come out from school all the time. And they, they go to show up to work and they, I don't have any experience. And they, you know, they talk about, they have all of this education and no experience. Right. And then you hear the flip side of that coin of somebody with a lot of experience, but no formal education. And, mm. and I think we always say that because experience is a form of education in a sense when you, when you've had that as well. So I always think that label of formal education and always kind of have my eyebrows going, why do we label that differently? And so with well, that, yeah, I mean, is, so is valuable. I got a degree in software engineering and I knew the entire time my time wasn't being invested properly because I I had known, you know, we have the internet out there, right? And I had learned the best way to, to learn how to do software development was learn one language for two years and then you can go to another, all the other languages are going to be easy once you learn one language. And there's hundreds of languages in software engineering, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, learning, you know, Mandarin or any other language. You have to learn the codes, right? And when I was in school and I got my degree, 
it was all right you'll spend a couple months learning one language and you'll spend a couple months learning another like you know and i was like this is not and obviously you spend time learning about history and everything. and that was to me that's entertainment learning about history i enjoy history but is it going to help me in my professional development probably not and the you know on the weekends on i'll the learn podcast, about podcast maybe for fun. yeah and on the weekends i'm going to learn about history for fun but that's cuz i enjoy it right but what's going to be better for me in my career is not going to be learning about history I mean, that's going to be fun for me. But if I had to design a curriculum, how are you going to be the best software developer? It wouldn't be it wouldn't be what I went through. And so I can imagine that's the case for going to school to be a realtor. That's not the best use of your time. Right. Yeah. If you know, well, you're and I, would, I would probably ask you of in, in school, did you pre or during it or even post? Did you see the value of the relationships and the struggle that you all went through because you're all going through the same thing and that created bonds? Now, I think there's indispensable amount of value in going to school and creating those bonds with people yeah, yeah, yeah. those relationships absolutely. will will truly open huge doors sometimes right. absolutely um, there's that there's but, that. but i think that's i think that's where the the bond of, of school kind of comes from but yeah from mm -hmm. an education standpoint I, I think a lot of us have stepped back and gone you taught me how to show up in a place on time you taught me how to mm -hmm. shut up and listen to directions and follow the parameters mm -hmm. and, and get to mm -hmm. yeah get to a chore we're very chore driven mm -hmm. Um, and so now mm -hmm. if you want to be creative and, and you want to think about how to resolve worldly problems, I think this is the arena that it is the, the place mm -hmm. where it's anybody. I mean, like, even with this, we're three people talking about different ideas and able to talk coherently together without talking over each other. I don't have mm -hmm. to suppress what Andrew is saying to get my point across. Mm -hmm. We can show. We normally do. I've watched y'all's previous ones. And so, <laughs> yeah. But. We've been very disciplined this one, you know, so I'm happy about it. <laughs> That's because Nick's not the on. The college shirt. <laughs> that helps too. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. I appreciate you being on with. Um, this has been great. Yeah, it's been great. And 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 Chris, for you to know too, uh, I've been around a lot of realtors in LA, Orange County, San Diego. Um, you see them on TV, the ones, you know, all about the glam and the ego what I liked about you Wit, is you're obviously very good at what you do. You're a very successful agent. You've been doing it for a while. Uh, you come from a great background too in, in the rental space as an expert that you applied today, but you come off and you are a very genuine, nice person. You care about the community. And that's why I wanted to bring you on today. Um, I think that's very special. And I think people need to consider that when choosing a real estate agent, whether they're uh, selling or buying. And with that said, I wanted to ask you, if you can go ahead and let us know your Instagram handle, Twitter, whatever it is, whatever social media you have, wherever people can find you, tell us your phone number. Where's so that, that hunting YouTube channel? Can find you. Yeah. Where's that hunting YouTube channel? I want to see you take down some turkeys before Thanksgiving. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh man. Um, no, I I really appreciate it. Um, that that means a lot. It's uh, and I'll I'll be short on this. That speaks volumes because I try. I literally try. I do care a lot, but I try very, very hard at what I do. And to see it conveyed exactly the way I want it to be to someone, the way it's the, the way you just said it. Oh man, I, that's that's the best. I couldn't ask for more. So thank you for that. I appreciate yeah, that more no than anything. For um, real yeah, you can uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's Whitby thirty A W H I T B Y thirty A. Um, on YouTube, it's the only wit. Um, 
Nice. My phone number is 850-974-4140. Uh, anytime you call or text, I'll pick up or give you some type of response. But so be ready for that at all times. But no, I'm I'm here to service people. That's that's what I enjoy more than anything. And so the opportunity is always welcome. Great. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, please send me some of that information I had asked you for, and I would really appreciate it. Uh, as Chris well, and I will definitely want to, you know, uh, embark mm -hmm. on that potential journey. Absolutely. The Florida, yeah, the California, what is it? The California exodus, as they say. Yeah, it's happening. It is happening. Uh, not to the extent going? that we all think maybe, but it, it definitely is happening. I feel so, like you, you say that as a California realtor. You're like careful. You're like, hey, everybody's not leaving. There's just, <laughs> yeah. No, there's a, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's an interactive map on a site called How Money Walks. And it actually talks about money moving state to state by the amount of people that are leaving and moving to different states and you can drill it down to a county level and so you mm -hmm. it's really good for realtors because you can find out your your uh, feeder markets and whatnot but hell, even from a global wait, wait, wait. or a na national standpoint we can see where are californians going where are people from texas going what, what are they right. doing Dude, what, was that, what was that website yeah uh, howmoneywalks.com howmoneywalks.com so everybody listening punch that in the url Take a look at that. It makes you um, wonder why they couldn't afford the followthemoney.com URL, you know? <laughs> already got that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably like a Bernie Sanders one, you know? Right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on, and hopefully you can jump on in the future with us. And uh, it'll be great times ahead. So thank you. Yeah, I look forward to seeing y'all both on the coast one day.